do we start these things again? Um, Hi, welcome to the podcast. This is Living La Vita Loca, and my name is Faz. And I'm Rich. And we haven't done this for two weeks, so we've completely forgotten what we do now. <laughs> and because we were so in control in the first place, if we had it, yeah. it, was, it was really yeah, it was a real, always had a good handle on it. It was a tight knit operation, and now it's not even a knit operation. Yeah, barely even a sweater. <laughs> Don't need it in this weather. No, true. <laughs> You're looking like very tropical over there. Is Thank that, you. Is that yeah. cotton? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, it's something like Rich that. Richest sport in a very lovely cotton Hawaiian shirt right now <laughs> that I'm digging big time. First so. holiday come down. Yeah. Antidote. How was your time away? Um, it was good. We um, we came a little bit unstuck because we were meant to go to Cologne for a couple of days. Oh. As part of it, and we were getting ready to go to the um the Eurostar station um to do the sort of first bit of the trip and uh got told about a load of train strikes in Germany. Um so about an hour before we get on the first train we're like hurriedly going through like booking.com or whatever and trying to like rejig hotels and days and what we're doing where and all that. And long story short, we ended up staying a couple of extra days in Belgium. Ah, I was like, oh okay. well, you know, land of Beer, chocolate, and cheese. <laughs> like, opportunity. That's, that's fine. Um, I've I've not been so yeah. It was it was nice. So we're drinking what West Westmaller Trappist stuff and um, Delirium Tremens and it popped them both open. Yeah. So um, I'm excited about this. Like I, I mean, I only really come to do the podcast to scam off Rich's good beer, beer taste. Really, Joe. <laughs> like as in. Yeah, so this this probably yet another one where we kind of get a little bit lit up from the strength <laughs> of the beer, but that's not that's Maybe. not a problem. Maybe. That's probably fine. The good news is that what I've built is like really exotic beer. You can just basically buy down the shops. Yeah, you know? so. but but you know, it's exotically down the shops. Like you know, yeah, like, it's not you don't have to go to your local supermarket for it usually. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm famously German trains are usually efficient and yeah. now the humans are stopping them <laughs> those bastards so yeah i'm sorry that you didn't get to germany or cologne because it was really nice but it sounds like you had a really good time in belgium yeah yeah no it was and um like we we will get to germany at some point kind of thing um but while i was away said, um, the, said the uh russians in, <laughs> in the 1940s <laughs> or now um <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> it's been a good couple of weeks since we had to cut an off-colour joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, while I was um, while I was away, um, got some lovely feedback about the uh, the podcast. Okay. So, I mean, spoiler alert: this this episode's going to be about you know um, critical thinking and uh, you know high praise and all that kind of stuff. So starting with some nice feedback. Uh, our good friend Jack got in touch. He said that the podcast is the perfect accompaniment to deep cleaning your George Foreman grill. <laughs> um, so I, I hope you're enjoying this with uh, whatever that... chores you have laid up. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a, a 10 out of 10. Like, no, using the word perfect, I want that so... quote on the side of a bus. Yeah, wow, wouldn't you? Do you know? Exactly, right? I do love Jack. Uh, <laughs> and I love the idea of him cleaning a George Foreman. That mm. is in, I don't know, I feel like there's a TV show there that I could probably watch on what, QVC or my, something. My personal favourite detail in all of it is it's not just cleaning, it's deep cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> the, the what have Foreman. you been doing to the it's George like, Foreman? Yeah, like, when was the last time you cleaned your George Foreman, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Feedback to Jack. Bad, 
<laughs> Foreman grilling. What sandwiches have you been making? <laughs> really, really grilled cheese. <laughs> oh, I'm just, oh, I want a grilled cheese sandwich now. <laughs> it's gone wrong. Have you, uh, yeah, have you ever watched um, Man vs. Food? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes they have some incredible sandwiches just even on that show. And like the foot long subs that have just got that are laced with everything. And I feel like that's like the thing I'd go for the most on Man vs. Food. I'd be like, I feel like I could tackle a sandwich, a massive sandwich, the most out of anything. Yeah. I don't I, know. I, don't, I think that that's fair. I mean, if you see a couple of the things that he sits down with like a giant breakfast or something like that, it's like, yes. well, in theory, sure, in practice, I would die. <laughs> so <laughs> making for good television <laughs> cool so uh, as Richard already alludes to this week we're going to talk a little bit about um, I guess well we talked we called it in our heads metacritical thinking because we are actually going to be reviewing the top two games on metacritic oh, I did it again every time every time, every time. I'm not taking it out uh, <laughs> Metacritic.com and or for the PSP and the PS Vita. So we're going to be looking at God of War, Chains of Olympus, which is the first game that came to the PSP out of the God of War franchise, not the second one, which is Ghost of Sparta. And that got us thinking a little bit because actually that's usually reviewed worse, or this game is Chains of Olympus, than it is Ghost of Sparta, but Metacritic has it. At the, the top. other way around. Uh, and for the PS Vita, we're um, looking at... It's Persona 4 Golden. Mm. Um, so, uh, Japanese RPG, JRPG. Um, and it, this sort of mix of uh, like life sim, social uh, wrangles, and dungeon crawling, basically. Yeah. Um, high school student by day, and by... Maybe afternoons and weekends. Um, <laughs> supernatural warrior in an alternative dimension through a television. Pretty uh, standard stuff. Yeah, and they're very well reviewed, the Persona games, aren't they? I mean, one of the best reviewed games on the PSP was Persona 3. Three. Yeah, so they're a bit of a spin-off of, um, the, of another series called Shin Megami Tensei. Mm. Um, and it's sort of like... Um, some people have kind of compared it to an almost like demonic Pokemon kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I can kind of see where you're getting, where you're coming from, but um, it, it it hits a little different. Um, so, yeah, I'll get... Um, I mean, unless you want me to get into the nitty-gritty now. Um, I mean, I... well, we can do. I guess that before you just do that, so we will go on to um, our general chat towards the end, which will be kind of talking about how you review a video game and what video game scores are all about mm. and is Metacritic... Got it right that time. Um, actually, worth any of its salt. That is in what you know. Is it? Are these games the best PSP and PS Vita games of all time? Are they even close to that? Who's saying that? How is that even mm. being considered? Uh, and I know you've got a couple of takes on that. So, uh, but yeah, how about you fire off then? So go for Persona Golden Four. How much of it did you get done in a German boudoir? <laughs> no, sorry, uh, Belgian boudoir. <laughs> Um, not as much as I was hoping because, um, I was having fun on holiday. Ooh. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. Um, and the main reason I'm comfortable with that is that, um, I already had my save file of about 57 hours 
on it from back in the day. Um, <laughs> so I used to play it quite a lot when I was um, traveling to see my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, and so I would have like a, a long time on sort of trains and coaches because I'd be having to go from like between London and Shrewsbury and, and all sorts. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time on it. Um, however, <laughs> because of some um, poorly signposted uh, late game decisions and my own kind of uh, maybe not weariness kind of like when I've talked about Bloodborne before now mm. um, but there was definitely an element of kind of relief when I finished it I did get an ending but it was the bad ending uh, because it was the one it was that the presented <laughs> itself <laughs> so I was like yeah I've got an out for this story cool that feels like closure let's go um, and so picking it back up again I was able to replay that choice and there's there's a lot of game still. All right, okay. Um, and I haven't got anywhere near an ending. Really? Again, yeah. Like, and How I'm, did you get back into that choice then? Like, How does that work, being 57 hours into a game and you've kind of got an ending? Well, how, back in cold. Yeah. Um, I, I could remember the choice that I made and, <laughs> and failed. And I'm, I'm not going to say that it haunted me, um, but it was memorable enough that um, I knew what to ask Fiona to Google to make sure I got it right this time. <laughs> that There's so much there to unpack. Like, Googling a choice that was bad, and, you know, it, it reminds me of when I was five, and I went out of the school gates to shake the paw of a dog and got told off. I had to go to the headmaster's office. Really? Yeah, I know. Well, uh, yeah. And, you know, this is like 19... What was it, 1993 or something? That is in... I think... And, and, and on a serious note, I think Dunblane had just happened. Mm. And I think it was like a bit of a no-no. And I, right. But I literally went outside the gate, uh, shook this dog's paw. I mean, you know, that was an important... You know, Why wouldn't I want to go and shake a dog's paw? Yeah. Random dog outside. Um, it left a mark on my coat, this paw. Like, so it must have had a little bit of a dirty paw. Yeah. I kept that mark on my coat for probably about a week because I felt so bad Aww. about what I'd done. Uh, so there we go. That's a bad choice that I made that I want back. But... You know, it, these things happen, it, it, <laughs> and and it sounds almost like a Persona Four Golden experience of my own. Yeah, yeah, it's not too dissimilar to a muddy paw print from a lingering memory. Yeah. Um, so that was, self, one... that was self-indulgent. If it... <laughs> no, no, it, it's it's a nice analogy because it is that sort of like, well, it happened. <laughs> I feel a bit bad, but at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with it now. I'm at uh, peace with that now. Exactly. So it sounds like you are. Too. Um and I was at peace with my bad bad ending. Good. Um so going back in and Namaste. Uh, <laughs> um and um trying to pick it up well, not even trying to pick it up again. Like I was surprised at how quickly I got back into it. I was also surprised at how quickly um it became apparent that I wasn't going to get very far <laughs> without doing much more like grinding. Turns out I was comically underleveled for everything, and it falls into that classic JRPG trap of wanting you to like go back and redo things and, and do some level grinding and get stronger. Um, and it's it's a weird one because you remember what I was talking about, um, Civilization Revolution. Yes. Um, and I talked about how it was like, had obviously been superseded by something else. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, 
when I was playing it first time through, I really like Persona 4 Golden. Mm-hmm. I did. There's a reason I spent 50-odd hours with it, yeah. right? Um, since then, I've played Persona 5. And Persona 5 is like the the sort of tragically hip cousin <laughs> of Persona 4 Golden. And like the, the, the style, the approach, all of that is like amped up to 11 in Persona 5. Um, and the soundtrack's a good example of it because like from sheer hours played, I've got a lot of the tracks from 4 burned into my memory. Mm. However, it was a track from Persona 5 or the anime of Persona 5 that I managed to sneak into my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's the that's the, the scale of difference we're talking about here. Um, so I do have a soft spot for four. At the same time, like I wouldn't say that it's been superseded by five. Like the two can coexist. So I mean, four was originally a PS2 game or something like that. Yeah. That got re-released. I, I read and, this. Yeah, yeah. Golden was the remastered version of basically yeah yeah yeah. um and um it kind of has its own own vibe still so like while persona 5 is quite bombastic and you know you're in tokyo and and all this kind of stuff um in 4 it relies a lot more on like small town kind of creepiness and and slight more horror like elements to it um, you know, you're trying to track down a serial killer that's chucking people into a TV so that the baddies on the other side can, like, murder them and blah, 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 blah. Big, high-concept story <laughs> grounded in, like, the kind of minuscule management of your time over the course of a school day yeah. and a, a year that you're you're in this town for. Um, so it's it's got a lot of character. It's got a lot going on. And there's a reason why this kind of description of what happens in the game is so fucking scattershot because there is a lot going on and you don't necessarily have to, well, you you have to pick and choose. You you don't necessarily have to do everything because you can't do everything, at least on one playthrough. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's designed to draw you in. It's designed to have you in this world for a long time. You've got relationships to build things to learn about and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, So, when I picked it back up, the first thing that happened, and this was me on a train. In fact, it was well, was I on the Eurostar at the time? I might have been. So I had a good, a clear couple of hours to to sit and do nothing. That right? sounds like I'm just going to stop you there. It sounds yeah. so like you sound like the king of cool doing that right now, like playing Persona Four <laughs> that, Golden. Well, in your Hawaiian shirt on the Eurostar <laughs> with your fancy beer. I just you know so, oh, like put that on like some sort of poster and I'd buy that. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> stop, stop solid in your tracks there. Yeah, well, I mean, A, top work on the tracks pun. Well done. <laughs> B, yeah, I'd buy a poster of that. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, it was, uh, that pause was me designing it in my head. Yeah. Um, Expect first copy by next week. <laughs> Dear doodle. Um, so... When I picked it back up again, and I'd, I'd made the right decision this time to like unlock what must be, I don't know, the final quarter, third of the game. Wow. Like, it's a significant chunk from, from what I've heard, and I use those words carefully because there's no fucking way that I was getting through all of it. Like, yeah. Um, I've seen some people see, say that you can kind of complete the story in about 60 hours or something like that. No chance for me. I'm already, like, way past that, and it's just, like, I, I don't see an end in sight. 
Um, and that's before you even get onto, you know, I've mapped out this social link so I can mm. go and do this extra thing now. Um, when I got past that choice, I had to sit through a 40-minute cutscene before I could save it. Wow. And I remembered why it was a bit of a ball ache to play on public transport. Because if you're trying to hop on and off of trains and you're in the middle of some of that, like you are relying on the standby and resume function on the Vita and therefore relying that you have enough battery yeah. to see it through. Because if you start losing those saves and That's losing wild. that progress... I mean, don't get me wrong, like... I've you know, I'm I'm used to them like from say Metal Gear Solid or whatever. Like isn't yeah. You know, I'm not as um ingrained in the culture with JRPGs and things as you are and Japanese gaming in general, but you kinda get the crossover like from Konami games and things where they're very self indulgent. Yeah. Um but just the thing that you've got a six-hour game and there's a forty-hour, forty-hour, sorry, 40 40, hour. yeah, forty-hour cutscene. Yeah, that would be hard to get that battery life out of it. Um, a forty-minute cutscene. That's just like, just like you say, just traveling around on a portable device is like very significant. You think they could yeah. probably just shorten that down when they remaster it. Well, or or at least make it easier to save. Like because these are fixed save points and things like that. So if you're going through a dungeon, you have to be able, you have to use a consumable item to leave the dungeon to save it to go back in and stuff like that. Um, you're so touching like, on so many points that I'm going to touch on about my game. <laughs> yeah, but it, you're very restricted. I, I think is my point. And not only that, that 40 minute cutscene was followed by a 30 minute cutscene oh. because of the 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 pivotal moment in the story that this was. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, like. It was watchable. You know, the story's engaging, the characters are interesting and, and all that kind of stuff. Sure, the dialogue's a little clunky here and there, but, like, I've I've played worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's something of an acquired taste, I think is, is a fair way of putting it. Um, at the same time, like, there's a lot of stuff to like about it with the, the combat, you know, there, there's options for it. Um, you know, it's not just as simple as a sort of Final Fantasy style, taking it in turns to hit a thing. Um, you know, you've, you've got wiggle room, you've got options to customise how you're approaching things and all that. Um, it, there is a lot to like. Is it the best game on Vita, though? Like, it's got charm. It, it gives you interesting insights into, you know, Japanese life. It, it's got some nice artwork. It's got some good style. It's no Persona 5. Uh, but you can't play Persona 5 on a Vita. No. You can play both of them, you know, on, say, PC and stuff nowadays, so you can do a more of a like-for-like comparison. For me personally, like, Persona 4 Golden is up there. You know, it, it's with the Vita's best. Is it the best? I don't think so. Um, 93 out of 100 on Metacritic. <sighs> So, I mean, we will come back to this, so probably yeah. don't dig into this now, but that's just an idea that that's, you know... That's where it is. It's almost a perfect game on that website, mm. which is widely used to kind of go, oh, would I pick that game up kind of thing. So, um, yeah, you know, not to draw your conversation to a close too quickly or anything, but in terms of where you'd score it then, mm. out of 10, and therefore out of 100, that is in, you know, where are you kind of thinking then? Because it sounds like you're not very positive about it, but... Oh, I'm going to also, I guess, push you here a little bit. You yeah. kind of talking about an experience you had a 
years mm. ago as well, where you're remembering some things about it, and you obviously yeah. have been playing on the save file, so it, you know that like, it might be that you remembered it differently in things. I don't know, but maybe you don't. Well, that that's the thing. Like the the hours that I've put into the game did not happen in the course of a week when I played it no. the first time. You know, we're talking uh, probably a couple of years all, all in. Um, I was umming and ahhing about what score to give it because, like, part of me just wants to straight up give it a nine. Part of me wants to knock it down to an eight. It's it's in that region. And I think I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is that, I don't know about you, but in my head, these arbitrary numbers, which feel like they're becoming slightly more arbitrary, if anything, over time, <laughs> um, like 10 out of 10 was never perfect. Like, there's no such thing as a perfect game. Like, 10 is, like, great, like, awesome, almost life-changing. Persona 4, once upon a time, for me, would have been a 10 out of 10 game. Right, okay. It's not anymore. Persona 5 is. Right. And that's my problem. Yeah. Um, because, like, with Civilization Revolution and Revolution 2, when I was banging on about that, you know that's that's comparing apples and apples like they're very similar it's a straight swap mm-hmm. one of them is just better yeah um persona 4 and persona 5 it's more like apples and oranges like there there's enough different there that chances are i i would happily happily assume that some people would really dislike one but quite like the other okay um so yeah i think i think for me it's a 9 um that said like going back and looking at it, I did realise how much my tastes had changed. Like, once upon a time, when I was playing this through originally, I probably wouldn't have given Wipeout 9 out of 10. You know? (laughs) Like, that's the thing. It's... It's kind... This is why it's kind of interesting to go back and, like, look at it with with 2023 in mind. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Like, 9 out of 10, but... uh, Yeah. I think... If you ask me again in another however many years, that's probably going to be nearer an eight. But that's it, that, that, that's it though, isn't it? You respect different games at different parts of your life, what you've played mm. on, how you feel about the, the how you connect with the story. It, it yeah, always the context matters. Yeah, it, of course, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, let's just flatten. Let's stop that right now because we're going to talk about that in a little while. <laughs> just stop your shit, man, and just you know we'll come back to it. That's fine. Have you got anything else to say about Persona Four? Um, probably, but I've already forgotten it. So oh, that's fine. Matter. Fair enough. This is why I brought notes for mine because I have a lot to say about <laughs> God of War, Chains of Olympus. Um, so. And I'm gonna. I'm basically gonna read my notes verbatim. I'm not even you know, for posterity, guys. I'm reading from like you know what I've written down about it, and I'll try and make it into some sort of, you know, making sense of some kind. I guess really. Uh, so it's from 2008. Um, I just, I guess for context, I've never played a God of War game. Ever. Never played a God of War game. Uh, not for any reason. I think I just kind of missed them a little bit because there was times where even though I've owned a PlayStation Two and a PlayStation Three quite a lot in my life. Uh, and then PSP as well. I just never really picked them up. And mm. it was kind of like when I when I owned the console. So, for example, I'd already traded in my PSP by the time that the first God of War game came out in 2008. Right. So I never played either of them. Um, and I think similar sort of things happen with my home consoles as well. So it's not that I didn't want to. And I was so, therefore, I was really excited when I thought, oh, actually, we're going to do this, where we're going to try and sort of 
I guess not a battle per se, but sort of the best game rated for the PS Vita versus the best game rated for the PSP on Metacritic. Oh, 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 oh. Oh no, I just scared the cat. I just scared the cat. Sorry, Sunset. She's like, what is this? I went to a cat for a week. It was chill. And now a maniac shouting around the room again. That was all Kratos in me there. Um, So, on that website, (laughs) the website that shall not be named, shithouse.com. No, I bet that's a good website. Uh, So, 2008, it's set as a prequel to the game series at the time. I'm unaware of that. Like, I don't really know what, you know, I actually... The yeah, exactly, I don't know the law. So, yeah. therefore, it doesn't really make any difference to me. So, actually, I kind of get in the ground level. So, if I want to play any further God of War games, that actually, it, that's probably a good thing for me in a way. That yeah, is in that I get, kind of get to see that one first. But, um, and the game, it just throws you straight into the action. Uh, you, you don't get, you get like a tiny little bit of, uh, this is what Kratos is doing. He's changed the gods. Uh, they are commanding him to do this. He doesn't want to do this because he's a bit of a dick and he's just like, no, I do what I want. He's become the god of war at this point. Um, and he basically is just thrown straight to the action and he's preventing an invasion from the Persian army into Greece. Uh, and it's just full on straight away, a full on game straight away. And you go, wow, this is exciting. Um, the buttons are kind of taught to you on the fly. Um, there are hints, if you will, that you can turn on and off, which prompt you to do things. Um, I've um, never experienced the quick time event sort of thing in the good God of War franchise. So therefore I didn't know they existed, but they do. So when you're fighting mm. mini bosses, if you will, or the bosses, then You'll fight them in a beat em up style, all the minions that are kicking about and also the bosses, but then also you get a sort of quick time event where it's like press this button, then press this button, and then make this happen to then defeat the boss. Um, One thing that I found out was that uh, one of those options that you use, so it'll say, I'll press circle to grapple with the boss, and then it'll be like, right, press triangle quickly. And it is very quick to be able to do that. Like, and, and, it become, and it is a skill. And you're like, well, actually, fair enough. That, you know, like, that's fine. You have, you have to actually be good at this. It doesn't give you much time to do mm. it. Which is okay until it asks you to swivel the analog stick in a left or right fashion. And when I say the analog stick, as Nate alluded to on a previous episode, it's more of a nubbin. And I cannot do that. That is, mm. it is impossible. That is in, it's too difficult to do in the time it gives you to do it. So when it came to those ones, those, like, I guess, little mini bosses that you had to use the analog stick to finish off, I just had to finish them off using natural means, which was just swinging, <laughs> swinging my chains. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> just swinging my chains around and flailing around until they fucked off. Uh, so that was a little gripe I had with the game early out the gate. But the setting's really great. It, it's There's no loading screens Pretty much the entire game. It's am- That's impressive. Which, in, back in 2008, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's almost like, it's it's a very linear, on-rails game where you flow from room to room. So you kind of just go, here's the next room, and you've got three enemies in here, and it'll throw up a set of demon gates, and you have to fight those enemies. And that it could be a bit of a grind, because, you know, that you, if you get come up against a hard set of enemies, then fair enough that, you know, you're going to struggle in there depending on how you were set up going into it, which I'll come back to later. But, um, you know, that. But you could do that room and then you go to kind of, it's like, and then you go to the next chamber and then something might happen and then you complete a level and there'll be a cut scene. And it is just very on rails. You can't really go wrong. Mm. Um, 
that they do try and throw in a little bit of sort of like a few side rooms, but those side rooms are only ever to try and pick up more uh, what I call magic orbs, really. Like, um, have you, did they have them in other uh, War games? I don't know. Oh, I've only ever. Pl- in fact, I was it. Um... Someone's screaming now. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm yeah, listening almost, to you, you idiots. <laughs> Was the second PSP one like Ghost of Sparta or something like that? I vaguely remember some because uh, I did play that one. I remember green orbs to like power up special yeah, so, moves or something. So like green that. was health in this. Ah, blue was magic orbs, and red was to be able to fill up your weapons to get them to the next level right, to right. unlock other moves. That system is brilliant, absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. That is in fantastic, even like is it, and it's so. Quick and easy, and it's like here's your three different colors of orbs. That's your health. That's your magic. And if you want to use your magic, then that's you need more orbs for that. And if you want to build your we- uh, build your weapons up to be- make them more powerful, give you the- lots of different moves. That's great. The button mapping on this is sensational. Like they it uses a PSP. Uh, obviously, I've the- apart from the one complaint I've got in terms yeah. of using analog stick. Apart from that one bit, the way that it uses what limited buttons you have on the PSP, obviously with losing two shoulder buttons, to be able to say, all right, so you use L1, or L even, sorry, <laughs> there's only one L, the left button and triangle to do this move, and then when you learn the next one, it might be L and circle. And it's great. It it, it just uses, utilises the PSP it, much more than any other game I've seen in terms of every button has a use, and you can... Um, use it really easily so one of my gripes with Tony Hawk's was that I found it really hard to use the PSP and the buttons for that um, and then maybe other games like Battlefront for example where it's used the front face and things and it was almost oh, like yeah, it, yeah. and you couldn't you see games were really struggling and you could tell by sort of from 2006 to 2008 games had started to learn and specifically this game really had done so the button mapping and it gets better and better through the game mm-hmm. as well so and like I say the orb system brilliant the only gripe I've got with that was that to pick those up sometimes, even after you kill a few enemies and you get some orbs for doing that, they have them in chests dotted around the, uh, dotted around, I guess, what different rooms on your route through the game. And um, you have to hold the button, like hold the circle button, and you have to wait like three seconds just to open a generic chest every single time. It's almost like you probably could save like, I probably 25 minutes of real time just not opening these chests <laughs> as, as slowly as Kratos. It's like, you know, it's like Kratos, this absolutely Massive hulking man. Yeah, and he's like, he's just like taking, <laughs> taking ages to open up a chest for some health orbs. You're like, come on, dude, like, you know, jog it in. Like, so again, another little thing where you just think that's a, just a complete waste of my time. But anyway. Is it like Hulk? Hiding a load screen or something, I wonder. Like, yeah, it's just, it just, it's. It, I guess it must be because you just think, you know, the fact there are no load screens, that is, it yeah, almost got to be doing something. Is right? it? Um, these chests, they're in all the right places as well. So, dot, you know, you've got a boss coming up because there's a, <laughs> because because there's a green chest and a blue chest. Whereas, if you don't really have a boss coming up, there'll be a chest there, and this is a great mechanic. It'll glow green, and the next second it'll glow blue. So if you want to oh, grab either type of orb, yeah. then you can do. And it changed the way that I game a little bit because I'm so conservative in so much that I go into a boss fight thinking, I need full health, I need mm. full health, I need full health. But in this game, it 
it really matters if you think, well, actually, and you probably need to die a couple of times where you need to realise, no, did I need magic orbs during that? Did I need a really powerful attack? Because actually, did I need to do a better job of evading that boss mm-hmm. and not getting hit, but actually dealing more powerful attacks? And you realise that. And then I think back to things where I've talked about Tekken and things before, where I'm Learning, like, right, yeah. yeah. And it's like, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, right, okay, fair enough. You all, you were all right, and I was wrong. But <laughs> um, yeah, it did, it did make um, a difference. And that came from that mechanic of having the choice of being mm. able to pick up whatever you wanted. And I was like, that's great. Really intuitive game to be able to do that. Well done, you. That's yeah, a nice little bit of strategy. Yeah, it, it yeah. was. It was. Um, it, it's a bit samey, if I'm going to be honest. Um, you kind of go through, you beat some grunts, you beat some mini-bosses, you beat some bosses. Um, you, it's a bit like... And then the only change in that is that beat up style is where it tries to throw some puzzles in. Right. And the puzzles are very clunky. They're like a shit raccoon city police station. <laughs> like, is it, it is. Just Slide like, this thing into this thing. It is. It is yeah. exactly that, yeah. <laughs> and it, but probably even worse, to be honest. Like, is it, you just think Kratos would just smash through a wall or some shit. He yeah. wouldn't be bothered about, you know, moving this statue or whatever. And there's one where it becomes overly complicated where you have to move loads of statues and, like, fire beams of light across a room and things. And it's just like... But you've jumped up from a puzzle that was literally like, you know, like, open this door is the puzzle. <laughs> like, you know, it was just stupid. It was like, it was so weird. Um... Yeah, so it, and then it builds into this idea where the story is probably minimal most of the way through, yeah. but it kind of it does start to get a bit more, um, I guess, specific to Kratos's backstory, and it does become it does build on it in the last hour. Uh, it's about a seven hour game, and you do get a bit more out of it. But before that, it does feel very samey until mm. that point. You're like, what am I doing this for? And the last hour is good and if you like your gods of wars and like games and stuff like as in um i, I think that you really enjoy this um you know like if that's your kind of style of game like i think you'll probably go oh, well that doesn't really matter to me but i was like well i need to know a little bit more about kratos because i've never played it before so therefore um when when i was kind of getting most of the way through the game i was like i don't feel like I know this character at all. Mm. That is, and it was a bit like, mm, he's just kind of a bit of a grunt and actually it seems like a bit of a dick to me, really. That is, whereas <laughs> I think people have probably played the games before and think, oh, I, you know, it, there's a reason for this. Mm. Um, but you do get that kind of backstory about his um, his daughter, Calliope, and you, um, the big bad in it is Persephone? Is that her name? You're asking me or telling yeah. me? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so she is Hades' wife. Uh, and she's got a big beef, and she releases Atlas, the got a big beef, big beef, sure, <laughs> that is it. And she uh, and she releases Atlas, the Titan, to take down the gods. Yada yada yada. You end up in the land of Hades, which um, th- there's some cool things happen at the end. There is some cool things happen at the end, and it, it, it almost it, they take your powers away, and you've got to effectively murder people that are already in the underworld to bring your powers back, and you have to make that choice. And you, you make the choice between, like... I mean, you, you don't. The game's on rails. So you have to... The, to finish the yeah, game, you have to have do to that. have to murder the dead. You do, yeah. Right. But, um, but, like, Kratos makes that choice of uh, being with Calliope, but everybody dying and then not existing anyway, or becoming a monster and saving the world to live in it again, but not being able to be with his daughter, which is mm. quite an interesting sort of, you know, mm. it, was, it was fun, that sort of considering that. And slaying people just to get your powers back. You're like, I've earned these, yeah. you shit houses. Uh, so you get, but then you get to the last boss, 
two things save points like i said previously yeah. when you're reviewing that these are fixed save points they're quite annoying um and there was a couple of times where and I even texted you about it in, in the game where <laughs> oh, yeah. I got kind of stuck and I was and it wasn't obvious where I needed to go. And I'm not blaming the game necessarily for not making it obvious, but you had to go back down a lift and back past. And you were like, I don't remember where I'm going here. And that's ridiculous that you expect me to have to go back that way. I thought the game had actually broke. I thought like mm. the my save had broke and I was really angry about it. But then I worked out in the end, but it, it wasn't obvious. Uh, so they were a bit annoying. If I'm going to be honest, you, you do miss the auto save. This would be a game yeah. that would really benefit from auto saving as you go through the game. Um, so then you get a save point just before the final boss. You go up a flight of stairs, and there is a two minute FMV, and then you fight the last boss. Last boss, very difficult. You die a few times, as you expected to, because then you learn their pattern of attack yep. and you become better. Go back to your save point. You've got to watch the video again haven't you gonna watch the video again why why can you not skip that video it is insane so the amount of times i had to watch that starting video like just to, and it, it's not nothing happens in it it's just the setup of the battle like and it's it's really annoying because it's just like why can you not skip that like maybe it's hiding a load screen yeah like, it, in, in all seriousness well it must like, it must well be i mean yeah. it, it really must be and 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 but that is annoying like you know would you rather a load screen i don't know you, you, you I get it. But... I mean, I think I would. Like, yeah. if it's if it's an unskippable video versus a loading screen, yeah. if in a situation like that, yeah, I'd take the loading screen. Well, that's it. You kind of like you know, you I don't think you need to see you know him swooping in no, again exactly. and again. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go from a positive. Oh no, I've got a positive mm. back. Civ Rev Two, um, and I feel like we can mention this because as Fiona mentioned at the time, Civ Rev Two bad boob graphics, <laughs> yep. God of War. Excellent boob graphics. Okay, that, right. and I say and I say that like you know as a connoisseur. Yeah, or? no, but like from the point of view, of, so um, very much spooned into the very first, <laughs> <laughs> the very first part of the game. Right. There are um, two sirens, if you will, who right. lure you in for this mini game of sexual intercourse, where you press buttons to have it off screen. <laughs> I don't know the benefits of this. I don't think you've got anything. I thought you'd maybe get a magical orb from it or something like that. Or so you, you get, yeah. you know, no, nothing. Nothing happened. And I was like, it just it just kind of alluded to sex happening off the screen. Right. But these sirens did have their boobs out and the graphics were excellent comparative to what was shown Civ. from Civ Rev 2. Right. Or on the PSV. I was like, so, you know, that Fiona was right to bring that up and say, actually, they were poor. Yeah. So anyway, I thought I would bring that up because no, it felt important. That's fair because on Civ Rev Two, it did look like two scoops of ice cream like nailed to a plank of wood. Kind yeah. Of thing. Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, um, so it felt weird. Not, I feel like Fiona needs to be in the room for that. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, My parents are listening to this podcast now. By yes. the way. So, hi, mum and dad. Yeah, I know. Hi, thank you for the lovely feedback. <laughs> we are like Holly and Phil, uh, <laughs> broken on the inside. Uh, so positives, the sound, great sound, great music, um, and in terms of, I guess the battle, like is it? It feels really um, all encompassing, mm-hmm. and and for for such a small uh, handheld console, you get a really good vibe out of it. You feel like you're playing an epic game, which is great. That's you know impressive. I mean? yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, puzzles. Um, were, oh no sorry I've got them on negatives because I have their shit um, so <laughs> controls like the, the button mapping yeah great 
the basic story progression, all spot on. The difficulty, you go from thinking, you know, I even made a note where I was like, this isn't difficult, you know, or normal. No, not easy, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it's tough in all the right places. And as I expect in a game like this, where it kind of, I don't know what kind of game it is really, because you kind of get that beat em up element and then you kind mm. of get that almost a bit like a mini dungeon crawl, but not really. Like, as in, like, it's it's a it's a weird game. Does it end up in that kind of action adventure yeah, section probably. of the shop that's half the shot yeah probably yeah. yeah it's very nondescript um but it is tough in all the right places you know you know when you are gonna have to play a boss a few times to learn it yeah. and, you, and you're fine with dying um so there are all the positives negatives mini games and puzzles were terrible um the general grunt fighting is just kind of a bit of a grind sometimes where you're mm-hmm. just kind of going through the same people over and over but i get why that's happening um <clears throat> I've got this in a weird sort of camp, which is the linearity of the game, which mm. I was really happy that it was on rails, and I love the flow from room to room, and I love the fact it didn't really load, but it is just very linear. Like, you've got no opportunity at all to go and find anything else out that you want to do. Mm. As I've previously alluded to on, on the podcast, I'm quite fine with that, but this felt very rote. That isn't, it was almost like you, you just couldn't do anything else at all. And the mm. idea of a side room was, oh, it's a different room. Oh, there's a chest in here with some orbs in it. It wasn't, any, there was nothing else there really. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of like one of the funny ones where it's like, it could be a positive, it could be a negative for you, depending on who you are. And I wanted to yeah. say that really. No, that's that's fair. I mean, because Persona was similar because it literally works on a calendar as well. So it's it feels railroady, but at the same time, you do have a bit of wiggle room. Mm. Um, so I do see where you're coming from. Um, so yeah, that they were kind of my points on it really. Um, so I'm aware I've talked about it quite a lot. Um, is it the best game on the PSP? It's not my favourite game mm. by... A stretch, um, but I can understand why a lot of the concepts in there are, and you could tell that it was a PSP game that had been developed three years, four years into the PSP's lifespan, mm. um, and it was almost like, and I guess that from what I've seen of the Ghost of Spartan, obviously you said you played it, that is a, meant to be a more accomplished game even than this as well. Um, yeah, I think sort of at least from a technical point of view. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where the extra um, sort of time went in and what they'd learned and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, I there, there was some stuff in this that I was really impressed with mm. for a game and the the game length as well. That just felt. So I had this thing in my head when I was walking over here thinking about it, and I really like swimming underwater. Now, well, that sounds a bit weird, and it is, and I don't give a <laughs> shit. But the very first, if I go for a swim, the very first length I'll swim. I'll do the first part. I'll I'll do it underwater as best I possibly can. Right. So I'm talking 25 meters, and I'll probably get about 20 meters in, and I'm loving it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I love swimming underwater. I love swimming towards the bottom of the pool, and I'm just like, you know, like that feeling. I feel really free when I'm doing that. But I get to the last five meters, and I start to get that dread feeling where I'm like, I need to get up to breathe. I need, I'm not making it to the end of the pool. I need to get up to breathe. And this game felt the same sort of way in so much that it was like, uh, I felt like I was really enjoying it and I felt really quite like sort of immersed in it and it felt like a really nice feeling flowing over me, but I did feel like I wanted to get out by the end. Mm. The last sort of hour and a half, I was like, I feel like I'm just grinding here. Yeah, I'm kind of done now. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh, I, I, and, and it's that's like... That's a really good way of putting it, you know? It's just, yeah, I, need, yeah. I needed out. Um, and that's what you were sort of saying, I guess, about With Persona. Persona, but obviously, yeah, ten, yeah. 
times the amount of hours it on as well. It was quite a long time to hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, I, so if I'm scoring this, it's an eight. eight. It's an eight, yeah. Uh, so it's not as good, I don't think, as is made out by uh, the website that shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is a very good game, but it, it does have some things in there that I was like, you know, these are genuine gripes. And I don't think I'm wrong in saying that th- these would annoy most people. But Fair. yeah, generally, I thought it was quite quite a good game and one of the better ones I've played on the PSP. So while while we're sort of swinging round to Metacritic, um, is it? It seems to me like the, both the games that we've reviewed, like while they might not be our personal favourites, there's enough there that we can definitely see the quality and, and we can see why people would have it as their favourite game on the system. Does that seem fair? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I don't I don't like to be wrong, so no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. And like you say, it, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because when you come to reviewing games... If you just get a vibe and a feel for something, mm. and it's like, look, this is this is my jam. You'll just you'll bat for it. You'll bat for it, and you'll go like, this is, and, and everybody you'll say it's ninety nine or hundred. You know what I mean? It is the perfect game, but you know fine well it isn't. But yeah. you push it. Everybody pushes an opinion to the point where it's like, look, I, I need you to believe me about this. So therefore, I'm going to go to the nth degree about it. Um. So therefore, you can see how if someone's like, oh, I love this type of game, like in either of these circumstances then you'll say it's like, you know, it's 99 out of 100. Mm. But, you know, in your heart of hearts, it probably isn't. So it, it kind of is skewed. And it, obviously it will be at the other end as well. You know, like, although looking at the games that we've talked about where we've been like, you know, Ridge Racer and The Sims and maybe even Call of Duty, for example, that we've looked at, we're, we're not saying it to jump on them, I don't think. I think we're trying to have a genuine opinion where we say that they are really poor games but um, some people might just say oh well this is shit because it's because th- this is funny about it and I'm going to give it a one and it's like oh none and it's like come on man do you know what I mean like even even the worst games have probably got something about them I'm really glad you've mentioned that because that in a nutshell is kind of my issue with Metacritic as a, as a platform I guess like where you've got a, well a load of um, critics who put a lot of time and effort or some, <laughs> or in our case, barely any uh, time and effort into. Hey, we've put forty-five minutes into this. Yeah, Come on now. Put, yeah, that's true. Um, into you know playing these games and forming an opinion, and then all of that is kind of distilled to say a sentence or two quote and a number, which means that there's a lot of nuance that mm. just instantly, and I mean instantly, gets erased from that equation. Um, but then you've got the user figures as well, where. And from the bits and bobs I've seen, Persona 4 Golden included, because I had a quick look, um, there will be things like, you know, oh, well, if you want to go and play a game where you can try and go on a date with girls, then you can play that, but it's not for me, zero. And it's like, <laughs> fuck off, man. Like, that's... It's uh, part like, of the game. Exactly. It's not, like like, it's not exactly a holistic view you've got there, you <laughs> fucking nuppity. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. Numpty. Uh, numpty. Uh, I thought you said nuppity, and I was like, that's I think a... I did. Yeah, yeah, this okay, well, that's strong fine. Strong beer. <laughs> nuppity. Yeah. Speaking um... Belgian. <laughs> Speaking of which, actually, if we're going to review the beers, the, the West Marla, lovely, but I'm not I'm fine. Do you know what I mean? The delirium 
Even though I'm not necessarily... This, this is a blonde beer. I'm well into this compared to... The Delirium's to, great. Yeah, that yeah. is fucking brilliant. I'm, I'm, yeah, I feel deliriously happy. Yeah, so. they had like a little alleyway in, in Brussels that was like the, the tap room and a tequila place and a food place and wow. a bunch of bits and bobs. So, uh, Sounds yeah. great. Well done, Delirium. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kudos. West Maller and you Trappist monks, it's good, but there's room for improvement, I Yeah, feel. you know, come on. Like, as in, I'm going to have to score Delirium. 99 out of 100 just to get people to be like, yeah, drink it. <laughs> so this is, this is the thing, right? Like, I am not a brewer. <laughs> so, like, what? Who gives a shit, really? Like, what I think about this. Um, and I think, like, that's, that's the other thing about, you know, reviewing games and things like that like ultimately like it's going to be a subjective opinion and i don't buy for a second when people are trying to be objective about it um and it 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 just i always find that i gel better with video game critics online who are upfront about their opinions and like you were saying earlier about like well i know i like it and i know what i like and i like Mm. this because you can start to find people who you know have similar tastes. Yeah. And if they recommend it, it's like, actually, I'm probably going to get something out of that. Whereas if this other person recommends it, ah, it might not quite be for me. Whereas the people that are trying to approach it objectively, I think, stumble into a bit of a, a dangerous area. Especially when you, you say get review code sent to you by a publisher or something like that. It's like, well, is there any pressure to kind of be a bit more positive yeah. about it and stuff like that? And but I've seen some review scales that are like one to five are just bad. Yeah. It's like, well, in that case, why not just have one and start there and just have your, your scale go up to five <laughs> rather than go all the way to 10 Get rid of those when you're not you using do. half of the scale, <laughs> you know, like it, it's that spinal tap problem, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in reverse. <laughs> so interesting. You should say that then I've got two points about that. One is, the video that you sent me from mm. GameSpot, was it? GameSpot, yeah, it was yeah. The, uh, the Kurt Locker Yeah, series. the Kurt Locker. Um, so we'll talk about that in a second, but I just wanted to point, like, I guess drop on the point you just made, where it's like the MCU being reviewed by Empire Magazine, and it mm. always just gets given four stars. Like, is it, <laughs> and, and everybody takes a piss about it now. And it's like, and you just feel like they're kind of like in that spot where they, like, even if a film's not wonderful they'll be like, oh, yeah, but we have to we have mm. to speak to the directors and the actors, and and we also, we're invested in it now, and we're genuine fans as well, so we've kind of got to prop it up a little bit, and it's like, but you, you'll you'll sort of see it and go, well, I kind of disagree with that, but then they, they're entitled to their own opinions as well, but then it just feels like unvaried what they say about it as well, and mm. it's almost like you kind of get to the point like, well, what are you saying? Is it actually true? That is, in it, do I feel like I trust your journalism because it just become it has become this singular sort of thing? Mm-hmm. I'm not so negative to say that, but that is, in it, I still think that they are trying to be good journalists about it. But I can see why the scoring, if you will, the thing that people look at immediately and go, "How many stars have you yeah. given this?" That's the very first thing you go to. That is, in it's it's so emotive and it's almost like well actually you need to read all of the review that's in there first don't you to actually understand what bits of it are good and what bits of it exactly. actually are drawbacks and this is what the Kurt Locker video yeah. was saying wasn't it and it, it was it was really interesting because like I'm 
I'm I'm big enough and ugly enough to know when someone has made a point I was going to make, but better. <laughs> and uh, so maybe I, we should refer people to that. I was going to say <laughs> I I would definitely encourage anybody listening to go and find this video. Um, it, I can't remember the exact title, but it's basically like why we should be playing more games that are rated six out of ten. Yeah. Um, if you and, just if you just type in Kurt Locker six out six slash ten, that'll, yeah, it'll probably that'll pop definitely up. Definitely come up. Um, and it, it kind of harkens to exactly what you were just saying about people just skipping to the score. Um, and especially on some of the bigger review websites, I get the impression that at least once upon a time, um, and from how recent this video was, I assume it's still the case, that by and large, a lot of people online take anything lower than a 7 out of 10 as like bad yeah. or, you know, not worth my time and things like that, which is not true like it's not because like you said earlier there's there's plenty of things that are good in these <laughs> games that aren't necessarily great there are bits in that ridge racer game that i gave two out of ten like i like bits of that game you went full samwise gamji there where you're like there are there is still good There's in this good world in there is good two out of ten <laughs> games there <laughs> is good <laughs> That is the highlight of that the is... podcast so far for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, the, the, what he said just spoke to me so much because I, I almost think that looking at those numbers as well, when you say seven out of ten and above, like you wouldn't you wouldn't buy anything less than that. Uh, but you think that that's just is that the human brain going? Well, that's the top third percentile. That's the middle, and that's the bottom. And it's almost like you would never touch anything lower than a three. You know, why would you do that to yourself? But then the middle ground seems to almost like get lost as well in that. Yeah. And it's like you, you shouldn't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Exactly. Um, and I think you've. I think you're hitting on a point there where it is human nature to be like, okay, well, the positive thing, great, let's go for that. I think. As an added wrinkle to that, nowadays, especially where like everything gets patches, yeah, uh, and just because it's shite at launch doesn't necessarily mean that a year hence it will still be shite. And I think we're going to get to the stage where we're going to have to like re-review stuff. And at least with <laughs> us doing these, like no one's releasing any more patches for these games, as far as I'm aware. Like they're Ooh. they're done now. They're they're set in stone. Yeah. Um, at least on these platforms. Um, so, Persona Seven, Golden, 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 Silver, Golden. I, I think Persona Four Golden came out on Switch like four months ago or something <laughs> like that. Like it's still alive, <laughs> um, and it, it's that sort of thing where at launch, I think there is a tendency nowadays to be less inclined to pre-order a game because it's more of a gamble. Yeah, and I think if you leave it until some reviews come out and then you see that it's got a seven you're like okay cool let's go you might be thinking of pre-ordering something it comes out it gets a five or it gets lower and i could see why you might think okay cool i'm gonna sit tight i'm gonna wait i'm gonna give it a couple of months i'm gonna give it a year however long wait for a sale wait for it to grow develop yeah. see if it gets any better um and so like i think I think just taking a snap judgment from the number on its own is a bad idea. However, I can see why people do it in order to try and make a what they see as a savvy consumer decision. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a tendency 
to make that decision a bit too rashly and yeah. jump to a conclusion. I mean, we we are giving the arbitrary numbers. Yeah. And how do you feel about that as a podcast? Because I, I like the idea that we're putting a value on something, but only because I feel like I'm trusting what I'm saying about that. Yeah. But then what what but aren't other people doing that? Well that, <laughs> that's the thing. And like and this to go sort of I guess full circle, like that's why I'm comfortable with it. Initially, you know, when we were talking about doing this, I initially you, you didn't want to do it, didn't did want to give the yeah. numbers. I just wanted it to be that kind of well, here's what I think of it. Yeah. Um and, and leave it at that. However, I have grown comfortable with it because I like to think that I've been so upfront about how biased I am <laughs> about <laughs> yeah, some of okay. these things. And like, I, you know, there, there will be things that I like more than, than other things. No one's paying us to, to make these reviews. Like this is our own money that we've spent. Pay us, pay us, pay us people. I will add Jack, more get, points to get the George, review. <laughs> get George Foreman to pay us <laughs> the money. <laughs> but like, it's the sort of thing that like, I, I feel comfortable doing it because I would like to think that if in, you know, however many months, years, time, some poor soul stumbles upon this and is like, hey, my views are broadly in line with what these guys are saying. Poor souls three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like gets a good recommendation off the back of that, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Like that, that's the trick. If someone has listened to any of this and gone, you know what, like, Sure, I might not have a Vita, I might not have a PSP, but I have heard about this game, or I, I know of something similar, or or you've the way you've spoke about this has made me think I might go and have a look at that other thing that you mentioned in passing. Or, you know, if that lands with anyone in any way, shape, or form, then that's job done. And if sticking an arbitrary number on it so that I've got a mental scale of what I like and what I don't like means that I can make that clearer for people, I get that. Yeah. And I think this is where, if we suddenly started reviewing new releases, that's where we'd come unstuck. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're right that it's that there's a system. And mm -hmm. everybody uses this system. You know, like the score, everyone scores games out of 10. Like, yeah. And that's just generally what happens. And there's no reason why that is a bad thing to happen. Um, it's just that sometimes you kind of come across things where people just dig in for just that score. And it's like, you know, if you spread the reviews a little bit more or listen to what the person's actually saying. I, I, the thing that came to mind out of nowhere um, was this game that I played on the PlayStation 2 called Eve of Extinction. And you kind of like, I think you're a cop. And this is going to be a really bad memory here. <laughs> I think you're a cop. And, I th and you kind of have like a lightsaber baton almost. That was the most six out of ten game that I've ever played, and I fucking loved that game. It just I had some and Betty, who we're going to see this weekend at Slam Dunk. He, I remember, he will always will always speak of the, on, about that game. Almost <laughs> like, oh, remember that game? Yeah, it was definitely six out of ten. But we remember it, yeah, and and we loved it. And it's almost like that's you know like that's not a bad thing. It's a good, it's, it's a great thing to feel like you know like yeah. you you know you've kind of made a connection with something that. Just wasn't perfect. Yeah, I mean, even like, like all humans, <laughs> exactly. And like even that Ridge Racer game that I gave two out of ten to, like I forever and a day will have a connection to that as yeah. being like, oh, so much missed potential. And like, <laughs> but I've got that connection with it now. And it's like Reading Football Club, absolutely <laughs> Reading till I die, um, which will probably be quite soon <laughs> if their form is anything to go by. Um, but you know, it, it's the sort of thing that. Um, 
it having that connection matters and, and understanding that even a game even if it's terrible there will be potentially something about it that you can latch onto or like you might play it with a friend or and you have a cracking time laughing at this game and so the the memory is not of the game itself it's of the context of the situation and things like that all of that shit matters and it all counts and if you're just zeroing in on the scores you know you're going to lose all that and that's why like doing the scores the way we do and never having them in the same place in the podcast means a lot to me <laughs> because it means it's, no one's going to skip to 10 minutes in and know what we're giving it as, as yeah. a number and, and we'll like never put it in the uh, in the detail it's of never the podcast in the yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah can we find as if there's enough people listen to this mm. shit to even care about that like, yeah exactly <laughs> hello to both of you <laughs> yeah no bookmark it yeah um, so I guess that's it really for this yeah. week so do you want to tease next week a little bit? Because I feel I'm really excited about we're not even what might happen. What might happen? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, I have recently picked up Guitar Hero, <laughs> and I love having Guitar Hero back in my life. The guitar is not as responsive as it once was. <laughs> I feel like somebody has played the shit out of this guitar, but. It kind of holds up. And I'm going to be honest, it's probably more the game. So if you jump to um, Guitar Hero World Tour, which is the fourth one, mm-hmm. um, that seems more responsive, uh, as would be judged by my 251 out of 252 notes struck on uh, the middle. Nice. <laughs> by Jimmy as well. Good work. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I it kind of inspired us a little bit. Not that necessarily, but we were talking about we're going to go to Slam Dunk this weekend. Yep. So that is a, what, alt-rock punk what, yeah, what festival. It, Bill it, like rock punk and emo or something yeah, like that? I, Alternative yeah, punk and emo? Um, have you been before? I haven't. No. But I should have. Like on yeah, paper and something like that. Yeah, I think you probably should have, yeah. yeah. Um, so me and Betty were, um, spoke about the pod just before. We've, we've been a couple of times. Um, and it was in Leeds City Centre at the time. And... We absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. Now, the vibe in Leeds City Centre was completely different because it was like, you could just bob out the site, if you will, air quotes here, um, and go into Weatherspoons and get drunk or go to Morrison's. <laughs> and we sat outside the grass of Morrison's just getting an absolute shit face. And then we'd go into a, 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 the underground car park of Leeds Met University to listen to an Anna Shikari uh, DJ set. Yeah, you know, with like thirty. Was people. Yeah, yeah, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, thirty people <laughs> in the shitty old like car park, like <laughs> in just raving away to like you know these guys on the decks. It was really, mm. it just, it was really good. I remember seeing Sponge in a car park, but you could go in the O2 Academy in Leeds, and then there's also Leeds Arena where I first, um, you know, sort of saw a guess, real big fish, and fell in love with them. And yeah, so the, there's a lot of eclectic feel and there's going to be a lot of love and vibes from us for that because that's kind of one of those things that we sort of connect on as well um so we're really looking forward to that now it's up at Ten- temple newsome and we've not been to I, I, sorry obviously this is not been before but i've not been to the new site yet so we'll see what that's like it might be a bit more festivaly yeah. but we're going to go to that next weekend and we're hoping to do a few I guess, live bits, really, aren't we? Yeah. To sort of, like, you know, add to the podcast next week. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll have some chats with people because we'll be, we'll be with friends yeah. <laughs> and all that. Um, so, yeah, when we've got some downtime, we'll, we'll see if we can record some of it. No promises, 
Um, <laughs> oh yeah, for, I know. For the obvious reasons. Um, We're gonna but, get shit faced. But in theory, we will uh, we will try and collar a few people to to have some chats and uh, see if we can cobble it all together um, and, on the fly. I, I think the one thing's coming back full circle and start the conversation was that we want to try and get to is um, best accessories for game consoles, mm. such as Guitar Hero. So that would be really cool if we can get to that. If we manage to do it, great. If not, you're going to have a really just hungover general pod yeah, on the Monday we'll, instead, which yeah. would be worse. So hope for us yeah. out there, guys. Um, so, yeah, have a lovely week, and we will see you on the other side of it. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye.